Rax and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I am joined in part two of this uh, Nuggets National slash trade slash contender focused podcast with Dan Valley. He works over at Bleacher Report, does a lot of great articles, does a lot of great trade focused articles. And so it's one of the reasons why I wanted to have him on, uh, not just for the, the national perspective, but because he's got a great mind for trades. He's got a great mind for uh, what certain teams are looking for, what certain teams would be interested in from Denver's perspective, and kind of how this process works with all of these teams. And so I'm really excited to uh, get this pro- get this process going. Make sure to go follow Dan at Dan Favalli on Twitter. Okay, Dan, uh, we talked in the previous part about trade targets uh not not from a not from a name perspective but from kind of a positional perspective kind of going through what denver's roster looks like going through what the contenders look like in the nba in the western conference specifically everybody's really guard focused everybody's really wing focused at the top of the west uh Jokic obviously is going to kind of change the calculus for a lot of these teams but if you're denver you've got to match up with players like donovan mitchell devin booker Jordan Clarkson, Chris Paul, Stephen Curry, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson. There's so many names that I can rattle off here. And I don't think that Denver has enough defenders at the guard, at the wing, in order to match them right now. Do you agree? I I would agree. Unless you can it, replicate Aaron Gordon. Is there like a cloning thing that we can do? Yeah, like like a, a I need a I need a six three Aaron Gordon, a six six Aaron Gordon, a six ten Aaron Gordon. Let's just let's just Look, do don't it, be but... greedy. We'll just take a half dozen <laughs> six nine, six, whatever he is, six eight, six seven Aaron Gordons. We don't, you don't need to be too greedy. Just clone him as he, he is. He really has been fantastic, and it's been really cool to watch him and watch watch his development in Denver as not just a not just kind of the the role-playing starter that he was in Orlando, who many people wanted to be a first option or second option, but clearly wasn't ready for that, but is now kind of the Denver's third option offensively, which many people didn't think would be a good idea for them. Like once, once Jamal Murray goes out, once Michael Porter goes out, not necessarily great, but he's averaging a career-high true shooting. He's defending his ass off against every single perimeter player in the NBA. It's been really, really impressive to see. Uh, just na- national perspective-wise, you think he has a case for an all-defensive spot? Like, is that something that he could he could really lobby for uh, kind of as the season goes on? Yeah, I think when you're doing it the way that some of us would do it, yes. I think voters are tending, actual voters will gravitate towards, are they on a good defensive team, which Denver right now skews below league average? I think he has right. a chance. And I was trying to investigate his defensive player of the year odds a couple of weeks ago because he's he was just defending so well and it was like you know if denver just ticks up at all maybe he gets some love for that but i think he actually absolutely has a chance and i do think you made just great points about his offense he's shooting not a huge part of his game but 50 percent in the post and he's had bigger games where the the ball's in his hands and it doesn't look that bad he's shooting 63.5 percent on drives and i think a lot of that is denver's roster just makes so much more sense around aaron gordon than any iteration of the orlando magic ever did monte morris is the best point guard he's ever played with I think that's true. Yeah. I'm trying to, I mean, Orlando and Jamal played, Murray was there tweet about Shelvin Mack one year. So <laughs> yeah. that that's it's insane. Like, like I, that's, that's another thing is that Monte Morris has just stepped up so much that we talked in the first part about Denver needing a, a pick and roll partner for Jokic, somebody who could kind of replicate what Jamal Murray does. 
Monte Morris is like the B version of that. He really has done a lot of great things. Uh, Jokic has actually had the most assists in the NBA. Adam Mars rattled this off on, on his latest DMVR pod. Going to speak with Adam shortly. Um, he has the most assists to Monte Morris. And then Monte Morris has the most assists to Nikola Jokic for obvious reasons. Like they, they have formed a really great pick and roll duo on both ends of on like kind of, kind of both ways where Jokic is handling. And then, then Monte is handling a, like a traditional point guard. Um, but he's not a defender. There's a lot of players on Denver that I wouldn't classify as defenders. And while Gordon is one of them and while Jokic, when he can really invest in himself is one of them, uh, I think that they need another wing defender, somebody that can really match up with some of these other guards. So that's where my wing target list kind of steered towards as kind of these players that could match up with those guys, but also maybe switch also do a little bit of everything on the offensive end if they could, but trying to keep the price down as much as possible. uh, It's hard. It's really hard to find cheap wings. That's, that's one of those things that, every team of the NBA wants and, and there's never enough of them to go around. Uh, but Denver really needs them with the, with the loss of PJ Dozier. They're one of those teams where it's, yes, every team needs them, but if you gave them a semi quality wing, it changes their trajectory exponentially. And not every team can say that at least. Because of the, the players that they have in place already. Like if you get a Murray back, then he's, he's automatically going to that second option. And, You've got Gordon kind of as that that third or fourth option. Barton is there too. Morris is going to be your your super six man, or he may still start. I'm actually very curious to see how they handle that when it comes around. Uh, But coming off the bench, you just need guys that can mix and match, that can cover up for Bones Highland, that can cover up for uh, Jeff Green at times, or or whoever's kind of of in that rotation and needs a little bit of extra oomph on on the defensive rotation. Uh, but, But also kind of, taking on some of the assignment for Aaron Gordon so he could defend like-sized players as opposed to trying to chasing around Tyrese Maxey and, and Damian Lillard and guys like that. No, I, I'd, um, be, I'd be totally with you on that. So I, I have a list of players. I, I only have four uh, main guys that I really listed uh, kind of in depth, but I have, I have several other names that, that could, could also come up. Uh, but I want to hear from you first. Uh, when, when, I, when we talked about this previously, uh, you said you had a variety of names that you thought might make sense for Denver. Can you give me the top name on your list that comes to mind that could help the Denver Nuggets? The top dream target for me for them would be Kenrich Williams. And the full disclosure there would be he's he hasn't top my list for every single team in the NBA, but he's on a, he's on a few lists that I have on, on my spreadsheet. And he does probably not as locked down defensively as you would want, but the positional spectrum that he can cover for you is absolutely huge. There are minutes depending on when Jokic isn't on the floor, if you want him to be your de facto five, like he can do that. He has done that for OKC in, in small stints. Someone who can shoot well from three and is not going to shrink your floor in the half court. Doesn't need the ball in his hands, but can do things um, around the rim if he gets the opportunity. Everything he does is just infinitely scalable. And if you can get someone like that for your team, I think a lot of squads will be thinking like this. It, it, it ends up doing a whole lot, not just for your regular season rotation, but for what you're able to do in the playoffs, there are just a lot of different lineup combinations that you can run. He allows you to play maybe bigger than you actually are because Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, and Kenrich Williams, they can all play with Nikola Jokic at the same time. That is something that Denver could do if they had really wanted to. So he is, he would top my list 
for them uh, because they're such a good team that maybe you can talk yourselves into giving up a little bit more than another team would. That said, you're probably, you know, given their first round pick situation, it, it is tough, especially given how little he makes. Although I guess it does help that OKC is all the cap space in the world. So outgoing money isn't necessarily the problem here. So he, he is also on my short list. Uh, he's just a, an incredible, incredibly versatile player for a number of reasons, both offensively and defensively, as you mentioned. Uh, career 35% three-point shooter, but he's shooting 43% over the last season and a half. Uh, he's a career 1.8% steal rate. And I'm going to use steal rate on a lot of these guys because I think that that's more of a, it's not necessarily the be all end all on defense, but a lot of it's, as long as you're not gambling for steals constantly, it shows a lot of defensive intelligence and, and the ability to play those passing lanes and do so within the team scheme pretty well. Uh, he's a high IQ defender, a connective piece, somebody that if you've got the foundation in place can really take you over the top. And uh, if you get the right guy in place, I think we've seen that with a, a lot of these teams before that as long as they have the right wing, uh, for their their pick and roll combos, for their their superstar forward or, or whoever it is, uh, that can really make a difference. Uh, in addition, the contract, as you said, two million dollars this year, two million dollars next year. Both of them are non guaranteed, but every team would guarantee it, of course. Uh, he's a guy that, if you're a team like Denver that's on the borderline tax and that's going to be in the tax next year, you want a guy like this who can be a cheap replacement in your rotation for $2 million next year and be fantastic. Uh, that's a, that's a big thing that if you're, if you're probably willing to give up a first round pick for that, if, if that's what it comes down to, I, I have to imagine, right? Yes. But that I, I guess their, their problem is that they can't really, unless mm-hmm. you're just going so far in, into the distance. And so uh, he is, if I'm a contender who has a first round pick, this season or next season that's available to trade. I'm absolutely dangling it for, for Kenrich Williams. He's, he's one of those guys that I think us NBA nerds are like, Oh, hell yeah. Like that's, that's done. That's going to be a really big thing for our team. If you're a casual fan and your team trades a first round pick for Kenrich Williams, (laughs) what are you thinking? Like what, what, like what's, what goes through your head at that point? He's been laboring in new Orleans and OKC for the past, couple of years. Like it's just, just kind of crazy to think about where that comes from. Uh, obviously you got to trust in the front office, but what if, what if that is the reason why GMs don't necessarily trade a whole, like a, a big asset for him? It's certainly possible. I mean, there were just might be teams that don't have enough information on Kenrich Williams either. And they might wonder how does, how does he translate to a, a better team where he probably has a smaller role? Maybe he's playing fewer minutes. I thought, OKC wasn't playing him enough, but he's playing like 25 plus minutes per game over the past week or two weeks, whatever it is. And that's not a role he would have in Denver or on another type of contender. So do we see, does he need to be in a little bit more of a, <laughs> you're shaking your head. So maybe I guess Denver is the way they're built. <laughs> I don't now. know. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of like what their rotation would be. He'd, he'd be pretty close to a, a sixth or seventh man pretty, pretty quickly. I'd, I'd have to imagine, but I, I, and maybe, maybe this is more of me being playoff oriented where certain guys get cut out and you start to really knuckle down on, on who you want to play. Uh, but let me ask you this. If Denver offers Zeke Najee for Kenrich Williams straight up, does OKC say yes or no? They say no. Interesting. Okay. 
Because I think Denver would be like, yeah, I'm not sure we really want to offer Zeke Naji for for Kenrich Williams. I think that that's like because Zeke Naji is shooting 50% from three. Like there's there's and he's been one of the better isolation defenders in the NBA. And while while his position is a little bit more ambiguous than a guy like like Kenrich Williams, who would definitely fit Denver for for sure. I think there are a lot of teams that would like to get their hands on Zeke Naji as like a a switch it all one through five. And I think probably like wouldn't wouldn't an OKC be one of those teams? They need more of a permanent answer at the five. And I don't know if Najee's gonna check enough of those minute uh the box for extensive minutes at the five. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't be talking about how Denver could use a, a, a different type of backup big. Uh sure. Sure. The name that's been floated around to me a lot for Kenridge, a, a, a lot, a few times has been like a Nick Claxton type is sort of what they're after. And mm-hmm. I think you can look at what Claxton does defensively. His health is certainly in, in a up in the air more so than a Zeke Najee. I don't even know that Nick Claxton, if I don't think Brooklyn would offer it because when you look at what their playoff rotation is going to look like, they need Nick Claxton. Um, I don't even know that OKC would say yes, straight up to that at this point. And so with, with Zeke Najee, I, I don't know how many seconds you're going to need to, because I can't imagine that they're going to be like super high on Kanchar. Uh, they're they bowls, whatever at this point. And so that seems like a, how many seconds can we attach to Zeke Naji to where maybe OKC would think about it. Interesting. Okay. Well that, that probably makes it undoable from Denver's perspective. I would, I would guess uh, just because they, they drafted Zeke Naji in the first round, just, just a couple of years ago. And that's, that's a hard pill to swallow if you're Denver, I think. I want to take a minute to talk about DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Because it's Christmas week here at DraftKings Sportsbook, and they have a gift that'll certainly put you in the holiday spirit. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team and win $150 in free bets if they're victorious. It's a great way to put some extra jingle in your pocket because DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get in the Christmas spirit with the holiday free bet surprise where everyone will get a free bet up to $50 instantly as DraftKings gives away up to $10 million in free prizes overall. DraftKings, they are safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. It is that easy. So make sure to go download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you do, where you can bet just $5 on any NBA team, win $150 in free bets. It is that simple with promo code MHS this Christmas week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Let's move to another name. I'm going to give you the top name on mine, uh, just and I think that he's popped up on on both Hardwood Knox and in an article that you wrote, re- wrote previously. It's Justin Holiday of the Indiana Pacers, six uh, six, long arms, career thirty six percent three point shooter, two point two percent steal rate. Like that's that's pretty high for an entire career of Justin Holiday. Uh, I would call him a B minus version of Mikhail Bridges, just across the board. Like B minus. I'm not 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 going for the A version because the A, ber- a version is like a max caliber player. 
or pretty close to it. Um, and I think that Justin Holiday would fit very perfectly into Denver's rotation for obvious reasons. What say you? Yeah, he's on my list as well. And he's in Indy over the past couple seasons. Hasn't been, uh, I think he only just returned to their rotation right now. But he's played some backup four for them too. So he's defended some bigger guys. We know that he can defend some smaller guys. I wouldn't say that you necessarily could call him a one through four defender, but he's probably pretty close. If you're playing him a lot with second units, then he might fall under that umbrella. Um, and he is someone, when he was in Chicago at one point, they had him doing a lot of on-ball stuff. He is clearly just best suited as, you know, if he can be a guy that takes a couple dribbles into a three or is just firing, catch and shoot threes, he can move off the ball fairly well. That's the role I would assume he would have in, in Denver. And so he's just a no-brainer fit. And with him, similar to, to Kenrich Williams, part of the appeal is this dude is under contract for next season too. And so you're not just acquiring him for, for this year. Um, he's under contract for another year. I think it's at 6 million. I don't think it's a player option. I, didn't, I should have double checked that, but he's absolutely, uh, yeah, at 6.3 million. If you can get him, uh, that's a huge win for you. He, he would be awesome. He's been a guy that I've, I've wanted on Denver's roster for a long time. And it, like, it's, it's pretty obvious when you think about it, like you've, you've got a player like Michael Porter jr. You've got a player like Jamal Murray, you need somebody to kind of fit in between them on, on a number of these teams. And like with Nikola Jokic and you get somebody who plays off the ball, who defends on the ball and, and just kind of does a little bit of everything. That's pretty good. So uh, I do think that Indiana could be a, like, they're obviously a team that's willing to deal. They're obviously a team that like, you don't know necessarily what their path is going to be. I think that they've, they've held on to Justin holiday for sure, but he is kind of, he's, he's in his age 32 season right now. So if they were to hold on to him, I'd be pretty surprised. Um, if I were putting together a package for Denver, it would probably center around Faku Campazo, replacing what TJ McConnell was doing for just this year. Uh, Faku, pick and roll point guard, somebody who, like with TJ McConnell out, I'm not even sure who they've been using as their backup point guard. Um is it Brad Wanamaker? Is it like I, I yeah, haven't? Uh, haven't. Brad Wanamaker has played a lot of basketball in Indiana. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah. That's uh that they they could probably use a Faku, who, who is a as great of a replacement for TJ McConnell as there is in the league, probably. Um, I think that that's the direction that I would go if I were Denver. Probably you're attaching a first round pick. Obviously, you're probably attaching more salary. Maybe taking on somebody else that they don't want to keep. Uh, I mean, if 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 we're up to me. I'd go for Justin Holiday and Torrey Craig for Faku Campazo, Jamichael Green in a first round pick, but I'm, I'm not even sure if that's viable from, from Indiana standpoint. I think what's tough about Indiana is if they're making a move like that, I don't know if they're interested in players who fill voids for them. Now, um, if TJ Warren is coming back, maybe they view they'll certainly Torrey Craig is already expendable to them because O'Shea Brissett has been fantastic. Uh, he would be on my list for Denver, by the way, if I thought that Indiana would, would trade him, which I, I just mm. don't think they will. So, and I mean, like just Denver's pick situation, if you're in these front office, I don't know that you have the job stability to say we're, we're trading for a first round pick. That's how six, five, six drafts into the future at this point, And won't be guaranteed because you have that 2025 first headed to Orlando. Um, so I'd be curious if they they'd be more interested in a, you know, Zeke Najee. Um, and Faku as that type of a framework where I think that could get you Justin Holiday right off the bat. If you want to expand it because you actually want to include your Michael Green, maybe you want Tory Craig back. Do you want Jeremy Lamb on this team because you like him for some reason? Not enough juice to get in the Karis LeVert discussion, but I think putting Zeke Najee on the table would be the way to get Indiana to 
to pique its interest because they could use him even if they keep the two bigs together with the bonus and Turner. But then he also kind of gives you a cushion if you then turn around and decide to trade one of them. You don't necessarily need to take back a big. I don't think they believe in Goga long-term. I know that they do have uh, Isaiah Todd on their team or Isaiah Jackson. I don't know why I missed those, missed those two. Isaiah Jackson on their team. So they believe in him, but even he is someone, you know, Najee, Jackson's going to be a five probably. And so Najee can log some time at the four. He would be the name that if I'm Indiana, I'm trying to get if I'm giving up Justin Holiday. So it does sound like that that Denver, if you're in Denver's perspective, that Zeke Najee is going to be the guy that you have to be willing to give up uh, in a lot of these trade discussions because he's your, your he was a first round pick. He's shown some talent. He's shown some ability as both a kind of a three and deep big is how I'd probably classify him. Um, but but and there are, there aren't a lot of bigs that actually do that. So so there is a kind of a unique skill set that you can bring to the table. Um, but if you're Denver, trading away Zeke Naji kind of opens up a spot in the rotation as well because mm-hmm. like when when Jamal Murray comes back, it doesn't necessarily solidify the the backup five situation. So it's you're going to get even smaller in that situation if you trade for a Justin Holiday. I am or very more curious to see on how Michael Green. Yeah, which I mean, if you're if you're Michael Mullen, you're probably like, yes, this is great. We can now do this. Like, uh, but if you're if you're Denver Nuggets fans, if like even if you're even if you're Michael Malone, to be frank, I know he he knows that Jamichael Green is struggling. So this is another conversation we're gonna have to have. But I do think that Denver's gonna be in the situation where they're they're gonna be kind of stretched thin in terms of these assets. They're gonna wanna maybe make a couple of moves, like get a, get an asset for bull bull. If you can trade him to someplace for a second round pick and then immediately flip that second round pick somewhere. Uh, that's, that's kind of the, the uh, pathway that you've got to find in order to just find these extra assets that other teams are going to want for a deal like this, in my opinion, but uh, it's going to be very interesting. I, I, I like Justin holiday. It just seems like he may be out of Denver's price range, unless you're willing to give up somebody that may be in your playoff rotation too. Which is, what about the other Indiana wing, who's a familiar face in Denver, and if you squint really hard, looks a little bit like Bradley Beal, is Torrey Craig. I would assume <laughs> he comes cheaper, and he's not giving you nearly as much shooting, not going to move as well off the ball, but he's going to be familiar with Denver. And he was, I don't know if people were paying attention to what he did in Phoenix last year. He was huge for them during the regular season towards the talent and also in, in the playoffs. And I don't know what the framework there looks like because I don't want to give up. Faku for Tory Craig. I don't know if they just do it for, you know, I would give up to Michael Green for Tory Craig in a heartbeat. I don't know if Indiana does that. Is it to Michael Green in a second? Um, I honestly don't know, but he would come to me a lot cheaper than Justin Holiday would at this point. And again, he only really helps you on one side of the floor, but it's probably the more important side of the floor for you right now when you look at where you need the help most. Yeah, perhaps you could combine Bulbul and Vlako Chanchar and and they take a they take a flyer on Bulbul or something like that. Um, but I do I I just I keep thinking of Faku in Indiana. Like that seems like that seems like a good fit given that we don't know what's going to happen with TJ McConnell and he's on a he's on a long-term contract with them, but he's also injured right now and it's injured for a long-term injury. And that's that's just gonna be something that I have to think about. Okay. You um, could go if that if you're actually willing to give up, well, I guess the money there gets difficult. But if it's Jamichael Green and Faku, no, probably not enough. I was gonna say that could probably get you like Jeremy Lamb plus Tory Craig, but Denver has tax concerns. So you could send Bobol too. There's a framework of a trade there. 
and Faku does help Indy right now. Like that's an actual thing. So, right. And I don't think Craig is all that important to them and they don't even want to play Jeremy lamb. That's just become when they're even close to full strength, they don't want to play him. So once TJ Warren comes back, uh, I don't think lamb has necessarily been good. Doesn't help you defensively, but as someone who can get to his spots, shoot from mid range and a shot well from three, the past two years, you know, if it's lamb and Craig and you're the cost, the opportunity cost there is uh, let's say green Bobo and Faku. Are you, are you considering it? Yeah, maybe, maybe I uh, it's, it's taking a couple of swings at kind of an offensive wing and Jeremy lamb and a defensive wing and Tory Craig. And like, maybe that's kind of what your, your model has to be. If you're following the golden state model where you have the framework of the rest of your team, but you just need to take chances on other guys and hope that they fill in the gaps. Uh, what I will say is that while people would be happy with Tory Craig coming back, uh, the offense changes drastically when Tory Craig is off the floor. Uh, he's he's he kind of hurts it um, because I don't, I don't think he's a Jokic style player, just not a really mm-hmm. high IQ style basketball player that they need to move the ball as quickly as they do. But either way, uh, let's just run through some wing targets here quickly, uh, like just kind of thirty second names, Cam Reddish. Do they have enough to go get a guy like Cam Reddish? Atlanta wants a first round pick, and I'm assuming they want it before 2027. So my guess would be no. <laughs> Probably not. Uh it, intriguing talent, but but I just I can't imagine it. Uh Josh Hart, uh, somebody that if you're if you're New Orleans, I have no idea what they're gonna do. Like I, I really just have no idea what their mentality is on this. Like if I were them, like personally. I would trade Zion Williamson at the first chance that I can and try to capitalize on a, on a uh, Herschel Walker kind of package from a team. That's my, that's my NFL reference for a day. Uh, But yeah, Josh Hart's somebody that I've I've always had my eye on as somebody that's, that's very versatile that can do a lot of different things on both ends of the floor, elite rebounder too. Like that's, that's something that stands out with them. Um, Other wings. Danny Green or Matisse Thybul, probably too pricey. Aaron Neesmith of Boston, probably too offensive-minded, but he's just not getting a lot of playing time there. What do you think? Probably too offensive-minded. You could look and see if they would be willing to do anything with Romeo Langford, who's had a pretty good year, and his shooting is so up and down that maybe their offense can't afford it where, where Denver's can, and he's someone who's, I would say, is better defensively than, than Neesmith at this point. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll have to take a look at that more closely. Uh, he's somebody that that's kind of been off my radar because he's just been in the league for so long and done so much nothing that I'm <laughs> just trying to try to figure out who the hell is good on that Boston team other than Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Um, Josh Richardson, like, I'm not sure what they like, cause he's another guy, like just another wing that if they were to open it up to their other young guys, then Josh Richardson's just kind of been there and I'm not really sure he's done anything special there. Right. Josh Richardson really good for them this year. His defense is, I don't think we've seen Josh Richardson at peak defensively since he was in Miami, but he's been good. And he has shot, especially recently, he has shot really well for them. And it seems like the role that's there for him is a little bit more streamlined and comfortable for him than it was in Dallas or Philly for that matter. I am curious. I'm very curious to see what they do with all their wings because it just feels like, there's a lot of them. There's definitely a lot. Uh, they're also not contenders this year, which is what makes them a wild card because they're not going to, they're not going to strip it down to the point where they consider trading Jalen Brown. But if you know, you're not going to win it 
this year. Maybe you are open to discussing uh, a Jay Rich tra- trade. I imagine you still want a first round pick there, which is just what gets so tough for Denver. They do have, I mean, Monte Morris would be interesting for that, but then you're giving up a lot and that's in order to get Josh Richardson. But he is someone who I thought about putting in my list for Denver, but both he and Hart feel like they might be just cost too much for this type of season for Denver. Like, I don't know if I would give up Monte Morris for either of them this year. Me, me neither. Monte's been, Monte's been too good, honestly. Um, Daniel House is a free agent, somebody who I think like that would be that would be great if you were Denver. Not sure what their luxury concerns are going to look like. Uh, that just seems like if if they want to give Daniel House money, then they're going to have to pay the luxury tax this year, and they may not want to do that for this team. Uh, that's all the wing targets I have for right now. Let's do big targets really quick. I so, suddenly I, I have to. I think I've got to go go pretty soon, but uh, big targets here, real quick. I would be curious if you're waiting on me, uh, like what is New York going to do with some of their bigs? Just Nerlens Noel, even Mitchell Robinson, if you take a flyer on him because he hasn't been great this year, what's the cost of getting one of them uh, in Denver? Because I think either of them sort of fits the traditional mold of what you would want in a, in a primary backup five. For a backup five in Denver, I think the ideal is to not pay a first-round pick I think the paying a first round pick for Denver is is just kind of out of the question for a backup five because well, those guys should play Jokic. That. Like if yeah, New yeah, York yeah. wants a first round pick for either of them, they're out of their minds. So, so a maybe two second round picks, Jamichael Green, and a kind of a fringe prospect like a Bull Bull, a Blacko Chanchar, or maybe a Zeke Naji up to that point. That's kind of where I would set a package. Uh, that even seems too pricey. If I was New York really? and Denver offered me Zeke Naji for Mitchell Robinson, that I'm making that trade yesterday. So, huh, that's interesting. Like Mitchell Robinson would be a great fit in Denver. Like I think he and Jokic could actually play together a little bit because like Jokic could, I mean, he's, he's not going to get out on the floor a whole bunch, but Robinson could defend some fours. I have to imagine like he's, he's mobile enough to be able to do it. Uh, kind of be that backline rotation defender that, that Denver always needs with when they play Jokic more aggressively. Um, but yeah, like that, that seems pretty reasonable in my opinion. Um, Alex Len, Tony Bradley, Cody Zeller, Ken Birch, any of those names, if, if you're, cause like the thing with Denver, I'm not sure you want to pay for a big uh, name mm-hmm. at, at, as a backup center, but those, those are kind of names that like, they're probably not going to be in the playoff rotation. But could they get you through the regular season? Sure. Do any of those names really stand out to you as guys that that really fit the bill? I don't know that I would be excited about any of them. I think they're all gettable if you're Denver. Um, one of the names I thought of, and this a little bit smaller, but he's played so much five over the past two years, and he's just not. He lost minutes to Jock Landale the past couple games. Thaddeus Young is not being used in San Antonio, and mm. you have a step ladder with Jamichael Green plus what? And to get Thaddeus Young, if it's Jermichael Green plus salary X is, I mean, Bobo, I don't know if that keeps you under the tax since Young is making 14, but if there's a deal to be made there, I don't think it takes a lot to get Young out of San Antonio. And I wouldn't mind downsizing if I'm Denver to that degree, given how smart Thaddeus Young is on defense, then also offense. When you look at some of the stuff he can do as a passer out of the short roll. He would be a good passer. He's not really the above the rim target that they, that they probably want. Uh, but he's he's a roller, and that's that's a really important piece. Uh, I, I'd be down. Like he he's a great player. He's a, he's a very solid player who's kind of gotten buried 
uh, for obvious reasons in San Antonio, because they don't really want to win. Like they, they want to continue to develop their young guys and then ultimately find a star in there somewhere. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm very curious. So I'm going to, going to have to see. Uh, yeah. I just, I have trouble with the backup center spot because could Jamichael Green turn it around as a shooter? Yeah. And if he does, then he might be better than any of these guys. Right. And it's, you know, when you even go through like the backup center market, it's simultaneously like the center position seems oversaturated, but the backup center market really wants for desirable depth at this point. Right. All right, man. Well, hey, that's that's all I've really got for you. I think that this has been really great. I, I really appreciate you hopping on with me. Uh, we talk wing targets. We talk big targets. Anything you want to plug before you hop out of here? Nope, nothing to plug. You did it all for me, so thank you. I appreciate you having me. Of course, man. He is Dan Favalli, at Dan Favalli on Twitter. Make sure to check out all his stuff, as always. Uh, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys very soon.